Welcome to the audio podcast of Dwell in the Word from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. Bible readings and devotional commentary to help you grow in faith by dwelling in God's holy word. Welcome to Dwell in the Word. Today is Monday, February 14th. We begin with another prayer from Lifting Up Our Hearts, which is prayers from John Calvin. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, since our minds have so many hidden recesses, that nothing is more difficult than thoroughly to purge them from all fiction and lying. Grant that we may honestly examine ourselves and also shine upon us with the light of your Holy Spirit. May we truly acknowledge our hidden faults and put them far away from us, that you may be our only God and our true piety may obtain the palm of your approbation. May we offer you pure and spotless worship, and meanwhile, may we conduct ourselves in the world with pure conscience. And may each of us be so occupied in our duties as to consult our brother's advantage as well as our own, and at length be made partakers of that true glory that you have prepared for us in heaven, through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, we are going to read a big chunk of text today, because once again, here in the book of Acts, we have a passing story telling about Paul's trials. We're going to be looking at Acts verse 25 through chapter 26, verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, and the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem, because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, said he, let the men of authority against you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, and you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing that their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his council, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Now when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sense of condemnation against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and an opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in this case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion, and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, 
I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunals, tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore I brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues, and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So this is pretty straightforward, what is happening. Paul is continuing to make his case before the authorities. I didn't want to comment too much on chapter 25 because it would have been kind of the same thing that, you know, Paul is being faithful to witness the gospel. That's an important thing. What I wanted to draw out here by going through verse 11 of chapter 26 is what does Paul say the issue is? Notice in verses 6 through 8, and now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise God made by God to our fathers to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? What, what Paul is saying is that, hey, they're upset with me right now. They're upset that I'm proclaiming this resurrection from the dead. That is the message that I am proclaiming. That's the story about Jesus. And I think it is important that we understand this. Paul was not persecuted the disciples were not martyred for walking around and saying that Jesus said, love one another. Uh, that was the summary of the law, right? Love God, love neighbor. That wasn't why they were being persecuted. They were persecuted for saying that a dead man had risen from the dead and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning as king over all, right? That, that was the message that got Paul persecuted. It isn't that he's telling people to, to behave differently. The message that is, that is getting him in trouble is the resurrection from the dead and the truth that it was Jesus who did that. And so Paul is appealing to them to say, hey, 
we have hoped for this. We believe that this was the message from God in the Old Testament, that someday this hope, this promise of resurrection would come to fruition. And here we have it in the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That was the message that was getting Paul persecuted. And you know, the same thing is going to get people persecuted today. If if we went with a passive religion and all that we did was tell people to love one another and be nice to one another, persecution isn't going to come. But saying that Jesus is Lord, that our whole, only hope is his death, resurrection, and ascension, uh, our only hope for eternal life is that that is what gets us persecuted. That belief in that truth claim of who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah. And you'll notice as we've been going through the book of Acts, that is what the apostles are proclaiming. That is the message. Now, of course, we are to love one another. Of course, Jesus taught to love God and love neighbor. Of course, uh, Jesus taught that we were to uphold many things of the law, that he came to fulfill it so that we would that we would have hope and all these kind of things. But the message of the gospel is that Christ died to suffer the wrath of God for our sin and that he is resurrected and ascended. That is the message that we cling to tightly. That is the message that caused persecution for Paul and has caused persecution throughout the ages. And so may we be like Paul. May we hold fast to the message of the gospel. And of course, like I said, we still proclaim the, the beauty of God's law and, and how that lifts up our lives and how it helps society. Of course we do. But anyone can say that and, and not get persecuted. Where the persecution comes is saying that salvation is in no one else, that Jesus rose from the dead. So may we hold strongly to that message that we might proclaim it and people will hear and believe. Let us go to prayer. Gracious and merciful God, we thank you for the persistence of your servants throughout the ages. In the face of hardships that we can't even begin to imagine, they have persevered and continued to proclaim the gospel of salvation in Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing hardships such as these in our present day. We lift up the persecuted church to you and pray that you would keep them safe in the midst of their hardships. But we also ask, that you would continue to embolden them to proclaim the gospel where you've planted them. May their faithfulness bear fruit as people hear the good news that through faith in Christ, they are reconciled to you. And may their faithfulness, even through persecution, stand as a witness to the church around the world. And may it motivate us to proclaim your good news where you have placed us. For we trust that you are the God who cares for your people. And we trust that your sovereign hand of protection is on us today. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Have yourself a most excellent Monday. Thank you for listening to Dwell in the Word. You can find more information about First Reformed Church at our website, edgertonfrc.org. Dwell in the Word episodes are available each week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can also watch the video versions of these devotions at our Facebook page and YouTube channel. 